We launched uh, that on Kickstarter as like the follow-up product to the first one. Did 375,000. We're like, whoa, there's like something really big here. Yeah. And, and it was exciting to be a part of it. We felt that it was extremely valuable for like the client, for the entrepreneur to be able to launch a product in a completely new way. There's still a lot of people that don't even know what crowdfunding is, right, but right. it's a way to completely mitigate risk, get all the money up front, pre-sell the product, validate it, all these different things that are cool. Yeah. And it was like lucrative for us. It was lucrative for our clients. We all saw this vision for something that could be a lot bigger mm. than than just um, you know some productized services on the label creatives. Let's take this idea mm. of launching products on Kickstarter and Indiegogo and create an entirely new business out of it. And so we did that in the first year. I mean, we saw just a huge amount of success right out of the gates mm. and we're essentially off to the races. Welcome, I'm Brian Gates and this is True Leader Shift. Our mission is to expand awareness of what's possible in life and in business. I created this show to introduce you to business leaders and life hackers so that you can learn about the pivotal moments in their lives that shifted their perspective on what it means to be successful. My next guest is Mark Pakoda. Mark is co-founder and CEO of LaunchBoom. He and his team at LaunchBoom are experts in how to leverage crowdfunding platforms like Kickstarter and Indiegogo in order to have crazy success in launching new products. Mark is a true entrepreneur, and he has some great lessons to share from how he continues to successfully launch new products to how he's detaching his identity and his value as a man from his success as a business leader. So let's get right into the powerful conversation I had with Mark Pakoda. Mark. Hey, how you doing? Great to see you. You too. Thank you for coming. Of course. Really interested in learning more about you, hearing about your journey hearing about your business, but let's start with your business, Launch Boom. Yes. It sounds like it's been an exciting ride. It still and is. It still is. <laughs> awesome. So t tell a little bit about Launch Boom and what you guys are doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Launch Boom, we help entrepreneurs launch physical consumer products on Kickstarter and Indiegogo is like the main uh, focus of it. Um, if you peel back the layers a little bit more, really what we're doing, though, is we're allowing people with business ideas or really product ideas to come test it in the marketplace uh, before they actually go to launch. And then we launch the ideas that are really going to work and have validation from the market. And then we help those ones that really kill it on Kickstarter and Indiegogo scale through e-commerce. So we're really trying to find not only the ideas that resonate the most with the, with the market, but we're trying to like get along uh, alongside them for the ride. Think of us like, Launch Boom, we're trying to basically find the people that are able to really take off and go go to the next level. Hmm. Um, we want to be the catalyst for that. Awesome. Yeah. So then how, okay, so that was a very broad overview of the whole process. So then talk about, uh, kind of break that in pieces a little bit. The beginning part, how do you work with people to understand whether they are going to be successful in the launch? And do you work with everybody who you work with or do you have a filter process? How does that, what does that yeah, look like? Yeah, definitely. So the first thing is that we're, we're working with uh, consumer goods. So not, not as much uh, business to business, not at all, actually. So B2C okay. goods, physical products, so not digital software. We're not like, looking to do films, any type of creative works at all. Not saying that that stuff doesn't work and isn't valuable for, for the world, but mm. for us, uh, specifically, we're looking to do 
physical business to consumer type products. Okay. Um, so that's the first filter. The next filter would be what we call our test boom process. Um, so it's really cool. We actually didn't start this way. Like when we started the company, it was anyone that wants to come in, launch with us. It would be a $50,000 investment. $25,000 would go to cover our costs. $25,000 would put into advertising. And then we're going to take 10% of whatever's raised. So okay. it was a big investment into this launch. But we were looking for people that were serious. And so we got a lot of people that were looking to do that. And we had a lot of success at the beginning. But then one or two start coming through. We start advertising before they actually go to launch became really clear that they actually weren't going to do that well. Mm. And the worst thing possible is when you have, you know, a client that you've been working with for a couple months and you're hitting your head against the wall trying to make the product work and it's just not working. Mm. And they've made this huge investment of money and time. Same thing on our side as well. And you're kind of, you feel like you're going inevitably just to failure. And so from those experiences, that's where we came up with the idea behind Test Boom, which is it's a much smaller investment up front where it's $7,500, we're able to take a small portion of that, 2000 and put it into advertising. Mm. And the whole idea is that, you know, we want to focus at the very beginning part of the process, the most important part, which is being able to uh, come up with the proper uh, or initial positioning, messaging and positioning for your product, identify who we think the audiences are, like the people that want to buy your product. And then we're going to go out there, build the basic marketing assets like, take a photo of, take photos of your product, Hmm. make some videos of the product, actually build a marketing funnel, which is like the website where we're going to collect information about people that are interested. And then we're going to advertise on Facebook, Instagram, send them to that site, start to get actual data back from the marketplace. Hmm. And we're going to use that data to have a conversation with our clients say, Hey, look, based off of this data that we're seeing. So the amount of people that are interested in your product, this is how likely or I guess, yeah, how likely we think success will be for your project if you were to go into a full product launch on mm. Kickstarter Indiegogo. So smaller um, investment up front to do some testing. Exactly. Before, yeah, which makes a lot of sense. Right? Exactly. Okay. I always, I even tell our team because it's easy for our team members that are leading the project to get attached to the results of the product, meaning that if they have, um, you know, poor metrics, that they think that they're doing a poor job. Mm. And like, no, the whole idea is to focus on the process that we that we set out our system of testing the product accurately. You do that to the best of your ability, and if you have poor metrics, then great, you did a great job. You know, because not only are you you're you're giving the entrepreneur the data that, that they they need to hear, and sometimes yeah. that that truth can be difficult to hear. But I'll tell you that the vast majority of our clients, like ninety five percent. I use that percentage all the time, but let's say most of them, <laughs> most of them are extremely happy with the whole entire service that we provided because they understand the value that we're providing. Cool. At the end of the day, it's a small investment to learn a lot yeah. about about your product. Imagine, I imagine there's quite a bit of emotion attached with uh, Can be. those entrepreneurs, oh, yeah. right? Absolutely. Okay, so they passed your test. Well, yeah. they passed that filter, and as far as you wanting to continue to work with them, they get into the next phase, which is kind of the launch phase. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So talk about that. Yeah. So this is where they would go to our launch boom program, which is the name of our company. Um, essentially, at this point, we've identified that they have a high degree of likely, uh, high degree um, of likelihood of being successful mm-hmm. if they go to actual launch. So really, it's successful the, in raising money, raising yeah, raising money on the source. platform, being essentially. Uh, our like lowest benchmark for success is, is reaching six figures. 
uh, on the campaign. Okay. Because of the investment that they're going to be making, even doing six figures oftentimes, they'll probably be losing money a little bit. Mm. Um, but making money on crowdfunding is 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 difficult. It's a whole other conversation that we could have mm. if you wanted to. But in terms of the system, we're essentially building up the other assets that they'll need to uh, help them launch, which would be the campaign page, basically Think of it as like a big landing page, campaign video, like a pitch video or sales video, coming up with what the pricing structure will be, how we're actually going to be, um, like the strategy behind pricing the product, okay. discount tiers, things that will run out, um, email marketing. And then, of course, we're just going to continue to build an email list of people that want to buy the product once we go live. Okay. Because the whole idea is that when we launch, the idea of launch boom is to have a launch boom is to get funded on the first day. Um, to hit on, your goal. Hit your goal. Or exceed your goal. Exactly. So the whole idea behind crowdfunding for the people that don't know is that um, essentially you're setting a goal for your campaign. You're saying that I want to raise, let's say, $30,000 over the next 30 days. And that's my goal. And uh, then you say, okay, I'm going to launch. And then everyone's going to be able to come to that that campaign and essentially pre-order the product. Mm. So they'll go on there and they'll contribute to the product. And then once you hit your goal, you're going to keep funding um, so it doesn't end. And so what we're trying to do is get you funded extremely quickly, show a lot of success. Mm-hmm. And then the platforms, Kickstarter and Indiegogo, you can you can almost think of them as like product discovery websites. Like people go on there and browse for cool stuff mm-hmm. at a discount. They want to be the first people to get in there. Mm-hmm. And so to get it's high the up, early adopters that are cruising around on that, right? Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. And so what we're trying to do is by getting funded quickly is that you actually rise up in the rankings on the popular uh, category for both Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Mm. Gives you access to literally millions of of visitors that are looking at your product. Mm. Um, And so last Mm. time I looked, it was about about 23% of all the funds raised on our projects on average come from the platforms themselves. Meaning that's that's people that we don't technically have to pay for, right? It's just organic traffic. That is coming because we had uh, a successful day one, day two, um, and you start to get traffic back from the platforms. So it's just like any other algorithms with social media, Google, that it works in a similar way to where certain metrics, which one of them would be exceeding your goal Mm -hmm. in your launch or during your launch period, then it's going to throw it essentially their news feed. Or to the top of their list, these these guys who are just kind of browsing around looking for products. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, so then there, is it better to set your target low or high? Does that matter? Yeah. So, I mean, the first, that's a great question. The first um, question I would ask back to anyone that asked me that question would be, well, what is the actual minimum amount that you need um, for your for you to continue on with this product? Okay. Because there are some people that will purposely set goals low, but... If you if you reach your goal, you legally have to do continue with the project to the best of your ability. Mm. Like that's the actual like contract that you're signing oh, wow. with Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Oh, interesting. Okay, is that to the best of your ability, you're going to try to make whatever you promised in your campaign. Mm. So if you need if you absolutely need a hundred thousand dollars, then set your goal at a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, that would be the first thing. But if you and this is the case for a lot of people that are maybe multi, multiple time. Um, entrepreneurs or they they have some funding um they're using crowdfunding as a like marketing strategy and they're going to be going through with the production of the product essentially no matter what unless Mm. they like completely completely bombed Mm. (laughs) you know then that would be really good feedback from the market they probably shouldn't go through with it (laughs) but let's say that you know pretty much no matter what they're going to go through with the product then we set the goals intentionally low okay so 
usually around, let's say like 15 to 30 grand, sometimes up to 50 grand. Mm. Um, and the idea is to hit that extremely quickly, blow past it, and then just continue to fund from there. Because a campaign that is, let's say, 4,000% funded looks much better than even being 100% funded. Oh, okay. Um, from like a credibility uh, standpoint. Like and in that. the algorithms, that'll throw that higher up in search results if it, that's the it case? Can, it that can. Right? There are other factors that play into it. And Kickstarter is definitely savvy enough that they understand that people are setting their goals intentionally low. Yeah. So they still like to... Um, help the campaigns that are not getting as much uh, attention and maybe they still need to get funded, like they'll still show them up there, but it for sure helps. And I would say it helps even from a PR perspective. It's a better story to write about. You know, this campaign got funded in the first 24 hours. Mm. Also, if like sharing it or anyone coming to the page for the first time, that's a prospective buyer and they see that this thing is, is vastly overfunded. So I was reminding me, there was a campaign one time that <laughs> set their goal at one $1. Hmm. It was like a, for a CD or for like a band. And they were like, I don't know, like a mil, like a, so much funded, like 20, 25,000% oh, funded wow. or something, which is more of a joke, but right. I wouldn't recommend doing that. <laughs> Seems a little ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I mean, if that was, if the algorithm was that simple, then everyone yeah, would do yeah, that. Exactly. So obviously everyone it's not. So, and then if you don't reach your target, you don't yeah. get any of it, right? It, ex- well, okay. So on Kickstarter, you don't. It's uh, what's known as fixed funding. So if you don't reach your goal, then all the money goes back to the backers and you don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. On Indiegogo, they have flexible funding, which no matter what, you're going to keep the money. I would say it's it's controversial, um, the mm. fact that they do that, because it doesn't really make sense. I mean, it really doesn't make sense. I mean, I love Indiegogo. Love Indiegogo. We <laughs> do, a lot of, uh, do a lot of work with Indiegogo, but I would say that that's a questionable tactic when you or like a, a questionable option to have on the platform if you say that you need to raise this much money, but then you raise less than it, and the entrepreneur still gets the money. Yeah. It does sound a little fishy. Is there a requirement to follow through on Indiegogo? Uh, I actually don't know exactly what the terms are, but there most likely is some type of requirement in there. That That's, is, yeah. And if you don't hit your goal, and that means that you don't have enough to be successful, but then you have to deploy those dollars, yeah. you're just throwing yeah. good man- money the, after bad. Yeah, the requirement is not that you have to create the product. It's that to the best of your ability, you try to create your product. Okay. Yeah, so if you can show that you've done everything, you spent the money. Um, good faith effort. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's exactly what it is. Right on. Okay, so that's the launch period. Yes. And now what... Well, and then your next phase is the scale, scale phase. Yeah. So what percentage of companies are you taking into that? So that currently, phase? currently, this is a pretty new initiative. We've been doing it for the past quarter, um, really. So like the past three months. Okay. So I don't know exactly how many people we're going to bring into this, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's probably going to be a much smaller percentage. So anywhere from, I would say, five clients maximum for probably the next six months that mm-hmm. we would want to work with because... Kind of how it works is that you have, if you go back to the test boom, it's like you have a lot, a lot of people coming through test boom that whittles down to, uh, you know, a smaller amount that goes to the launch boom system. And that's even a validator for us and for the client to see which ones are going to be the best candidates to try to scale them on e-commerce. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a smaller amount. And the whole idea there is that, okay, now that we understand how to position your product, how to market your product, uh, online, let's now actually take you to the next level. So great, you rose hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars of crowdfunding. Let's make that a million dollars a month mm. and go through e-commerce and take your take your company to the next level. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. That'd be great. All right. So yeah. you with some co-founders founded this this company. You guys are doing really well with it. It's growing like crazy. Uh-huh. 
So congrats on your success. Thank you. It's awesome. Sure. So how the heck do you know how to do any of this stuff? What's what's know. been your journey? I don't journey? know how to do any of it. <laughs> you figure it out each day, right? Yeah, yeah. So what's been what has been your journey in life that has led you, kind of brought you up to current day? By the way, we definitely faked it till we till we made it. Okay. Like, quite a bit at the beginning. I will put that out there first. <laughs> I feel like we've been doing that, or I've been doing that pretty much my entire career is like huh. mostly having an idea for what we want to do and then having like a general idea of how it like the mechanics work but there's like a lot of, a lot of the you know the devils in the details a lot of the details trying to figure that out was okay let's sell it and then and then figure it out on our own so with that said that's let's certain, go back so you have that cer- that's a certain personality type yeah. where you're willing to take that risk yeah. and do that yeah, for, where me, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. Yeah. And I want to know my what kind of holds me back in some things is I, I need to know it's going to be perfect. I need to have it all figured out, um, and that can hold me back. And in, in some ways, it can be healthy. In other ways, it can be very toxic. Absolutely. And holding me back. So you're I mean, wired differently. Well, I actually think I'm, I'm wired more similar to you than you may, than you may think. Okay. Like, I do have— it does cause like quite a bit of anxiety even going out there and not having things as planned out um, as I would want. Hmm. Um, over time, I've gotten much better at trusting in my own ability. Um, to figure like, it out. Yeah, to figure it out. Okay. It's like, I can't remember what like who said it, but um, I love it. It's like to worry is to bet against yourself. Hmm. Like I, and that always like resonates with me. I'm like, oh man, it's so true. Wow, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So it's like whenever I'm worried, worried about something or an anxious, like, well, do I not trust myself? That I'm going to be able to figure this out. Yeah, it's like no, I do. Yeah, um, it's because there's a lot. I mean, you can really unpack that, right? Yeah, because yeah. to worry is to be betting against yourself. That's, yeah, that's the quote. Yeah. To bet against yourself. To yeah. bet against yourself. Yeah, because it's really a lack of confidence. Yeah. And it's a lack of trust that everything's going to happen the way it should, right? Because yeah. if you fail, that's okay too. And don't worry about failing because failing is information. It's learning. Yeah. It's it's a positive. Yeah, because either way you look at it, success or failure, I mean, there's really nothing to worry about at the end of the day. Because yeah. And it's easy to intellectually feel that, but <laughs> emotionally, oh, I, believe it's, me. that's it's way, tough. It's way simpler to say it than to actually live it. <laughs> right. like, I, still, I still worry. Don't worry. But it's like a – don't worry. It's a um, – <laughs> It's but something it's, that like comes up for me. Like you're when I start aware thinking of. About it. I'm aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's okay. On that same vein, though, of you know me feeling like I'm I'm like wired like what you're talking about, like having that um, that desire to have things like be perfect and, and really planned out well in uh, well in advance. I feel like I got balanced out with that with like uh, my business partners, mm-hmm. um, more specifically Tom. So like kind of going back to the original question with like the journey of this. So I met, I met Tom, uh, Thomas Tudorian, uh, back at the end of my college career, we were both in this internship at this digital marketing agency mm-hmm. called eBoost Consulting. Awesome internship, taught us a ton about like everything, well, a really good basis of like how this all works. And um, they let us practice Let's practice on a um, on nonprofits, which was cool. So they did mm. pro bono work, and we got to have clients, nonprofits, and then use everything we learned to come up with digital marketing strategies to improve whatever you know their biggest need was or problem was. Oh, that's fun. And so that's how I got to know Tom. We also got to learn a lot together. And then at the end, he came to me and he said he was just graduating uh, UCSD, and I went to San Diego State. He said, "Hey, Mark, like uh, I've, I've always had this idea of wanting to start a creative agency." 
uh, called Label Creative. That's what we want to call it. He's like, do you want to be in it? I'm like, sure. <laughs> let's, let's do it. it. Sounds fun. I'm like just about to graduate college. I don't really want to get a job, hmm. to be honest. And, uh, <laughs> and I like felt like I could figure this stuff out. I was like fired up yeah. um, from all this. So uh, Tom and then another guy in the internship, Mike Reavy, and I, uh, we all came together and then started Label Creative. And then there was a couple other guys that like jumped in. Victor Shu is one of them who's still with us. Um, and then other couple guys that have left us since that point. Mm. Um, but that kicked it off. So that was essentially us trying to figure it out, not wanting to get a job, but going out there and really learning as much as we can about starting an agency, um, working with clients, everything that goes into that. Mm. That was about a um, three and a half year journey of building that company up. Um, which we were like fairly successful, but it was, it was definitely a grind. So continue in your, in your journey. In story? Yeah. Right, and your right, story right, of right. Label Creative and then. Sounds good. Launches from there. So, no I mean, Label intended. Creative, I think I've made it like abundantly clear that it was a grind. It was still, it was still fun. Um, learned a lot, but it was becoming pretty apparent during the last year of the Label Creative journey that. Like, this was not what I wanted to do. This is not what the partners wanted to do for the long term. We just couldn't see a vision for it that was really compelling. Hmm. Like, I was like, I don't know where we're going to take this. We were doing such, like, custom projects for everyone. And it was really difficult to scale. And I, it was hard. And it wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't okay. very fulfilling. So it's, it's okay for things to be hard. But if they're not fulfilling, like, then what's the point? Yeah. It's like passion is, like, what you're that which you're willing to suffer for. Mm. It's like, mm. I was not very passionate about what we're doing. <laughs> so anyways, we knew that we wanted to do something different. And along the same uh, time, I read a book called uh, Built to Sell. It's like this short little book. Mm. It's actually, a, it's written as a fiction book, but it, it talks about, like teaches you so much about business. And it's telling the story of a guy that has an agency called, I think it's called Stapleton Agency. And he's burnt out. He decides he wants to sell his company learns that's not worth anything mm. because he has like no like unique systems it's mm. not scalable all these different things and so he's like what do i have to do to make this thing different and it's essentially treating his uh his business like a product it was like the big takeaway mm. from that book and so i was thinking about what we did it's like we only treated what we did like a service like it was just completely custom we would always just do like whatever the client wanted it was yeah unique unique to each to each client that we had okay. and we didn't have something that was structured more productized you can still have a service but we can productize and something that's like much more scalable so you can like easily teach it to people you can easily sell it to people you know mm. who to say no to because you know exactly who your customers are mm. um you know exactly the cost it's not custom every single time mm. like wow that sounds amazing yeah. and um so we started looking for ideas that we could that we could turn into productized services we tried a couple, we tried like video services, all these different things. And then um, we looked back and like uh, at all our clients that we had worked with at Label Creative. And we had the opportunity to work on three crowdfunding campaigns. One was for a company called Aqua Design Innovations, who was actually our first signed client ever. We did their first initial website a long time ago. Hmm. Shout out to Kevin Liang. Um, <laughs> and so we did we did a crowdfunding campaign for him for his first product called EcoCube. And that did, I think it was around 75000 on Kickstarter. So I'm like, wow, hmm, that's great. Nice. You know, we, we helped with it. Like, we were definitely learning as well. <laughs> it wasn't all us. Um, the second thing, we had a client that's like, wow, that was cool. Uh, can you do that for me? And it was for a client called uh, One Hour Break. And it's like a stress and anxiety relief spray using Kava, Kava, Kava. Okay. And um, I did 102000 on Indiegogo. And then 
Aqua Design Innovations came out with EcoCube C, and we launched uh, that on Kickstarter as like the follow-up product to the first one. Did three hundred seventy-five thousand. We're like, whoa! There's like something really big here, yeah. and and it was exciting to be a part of it. We felt that it was extremely valuable for like the client, for the entrepreneur to be able to launch a product in a completely new way hmm. that people really like. Most people, there's still a lot of people that don't even know what crowdfunding is, right, but right. it's a way to completely mitigate risk, get all the money up front, pre-sell the product, validate it, all these different things that are cool, yeah. and. It was like lucrative for us. It was lucrative for our clients. And so a lot, we're like, we think we want to do this. So we started honing in on that. Um, and we started getting some clients. We're still under label creative, but we started kind of trying to sell like a productized service. And then and then we met um, a guy named Will Ford. So Will Ford was, um, he was the advisor for Aqua Design Innovations. So he's... Um, a little bit older than me, um, has had more experience in in uh, business as some other successful uh, business ventures and exits. And he saw what we did with the EcoCube campaigns and he said, that's really cool. I want to mm-hmm. go talk to these guys. He comes in, he talks to my business partner, Tom and I. Within a month, we decided to bring him in and and we completely tra- transitioned our business to LaunchBoom. Oh, wow. Because just from the conversations that we had, we all like we all got along really well, and we all saw this vision for something that could be a lot bigger mm. than than just um, you know some productized services under Label Creative. Let's take this idea mm. of launching products on Kickstarter and Indiegogo and create an entirely new business out of it. And so we did that in the first year. I mean, we saw just a huge amount of success right out of the gates, mm. and we're essentially off to the races. Did you go, at that point, did you go all in with LaunchBoom? Or yeah. were you still doing some we, other we, things? We finished off our projects over the next three months, I think it was. That's what we said. We told all of our clients that we currently had, hey, we're transitioning our business to this new model, mm. and um, we're going to finish your projects <coughs> or any ongoing projects. We're going to stop it here, and then we're going to go transition to the next next thing. Okay. Um, most people were really excited for us. Some people were we're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were a well, little. They're like, "Uh oh, we can't use you anymore for the services that you know we thought you were going to continue well, to that's do." A big compliment, but yeah, man, like the weight off my shoulders of actually um, like knowing who to say no to. I like really understanding like what we were selling and knowing which customers are our customers and which ones don't make sense anymore for mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. because. Back in the beginning with Label Creative, it's like anyone that would come in with yeah. anything that we thought we could possibly help, we would make it work for them yeah. <laughs> just so we could get the get the money in right. and learn. And then we thought that's what we were doing was to like build a custom solution. But that's not that's not the way that want to run the business. And a lot of businesses have, have gone through that, are in different various stages of that same journey yeah. of, you know what, we're just going to be everything to everyone. Exactly. And then the companies that, well, most of the companies that are really successful have chosen that one, you know, a lot of different terms around it, hedgehog theory being one of them, right? That uh, I think Jim Collins uh, oh, yeah, came yeah. up with. But uh, yeah, sticking with what you can be the best at in the world. Um, at least starting with that. That's the thing. It's like, I think I think being able to start with something that is much more niche is the way to go. Okay. I mean, the most famous example I think would be Amazon. Like mm-hmm. Amazon, he always knew he wanted to be the everything store. Uh, Jeff Bezos, but at the beginning, they're like, we're just going to focus on books. Mm. That's it. You know, mm. and they they dominated the book market. They completely changed it, disrupted it, and then they went out and expanded mm. from there. Well, his narrow niche wasn't selling books. 
it was an e-commerce platform, mm-hmm. right? Like that's what they were going to be the best in the world at. Exactly. And they stuck with that. And then their plan, their strategy was, okay, what are the steps to getting to taking over the, essentially yeah, taking over the world, world of, you know, of retail, well, e-commerce, I guess. Or just the world. Yeah. Or just, the, <laughs> I mean, right. They're not done yet. <laughs> so. kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, they're not done. Yeah. So then, okay. So during that time of kind of, as you've gone, how have you determined what path you want to go in your life? Like, is it about creating this big business? Is it about living a certain life? Like, where, where are your priorities and how do you kind of frame that for yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. Because a lot of, I mean, let me just kind of preface with, you know, a lot of people, You're because you're how old? 29. 29. Yeah. And um, you've accomplished a ton for 29, which is awesome. Um, a lot of people get midlife and they've built this big successful business and then they question what what the, why am I doing this this company's running me it's running my life yeah and uh and then they yeah they either take it make a shift or they just hard charge until they retire and then hope to live their life after that yeah I know what you mean I I feel like I'm going to have trouble articulating exactly like how I make the decisions mm-hmm. right now I mean I'll try but um, yeah, so you know, it's like, because I, I feel like I even swing back and forth and I think about this question a lot of like, even like why I'm getting up every day to do these things. I feel like when I like really boil it down, um, you know, we had talked about this before earlier this week that it's like what I'm doing every day is that I want to, I want to be around like amazing people. And I guess how I would define that is like people that share similar, similar values to me. Um, people that are looking to grow constantly. Um, also people that are looking to have fun, you know, and really enjoy what they do. And then I also want to like continue to solve problems that I find interesting every single day. Mm. And, um, but I think like another word that is really big for me is like creating, like I, I just love to, be able to create new things because like our mm. world is constantly changing. I think one of the coolest things that I can do is like add to it or just like create something in mm. it, which is a really broad thing, but I actually kind of like that mm. because like, whether it be like, you know, me going home after this and playing guitar and creating <coughs> something new, which I love to do, or like going in and creating something new for our business mm. that like really gets me excited. Um, like all of that is like part of like the why of getting up. Mm. Um, but going to your question about like, are we just trying to build something like really big, you know, yeah. big business? Essentially, um, yeah. What is your why essentially yeah. behind all this? Yeah. And I think, I mean, some of the things I just said, I, I think answer that. Yeah. Um, but I still do have like aspirations to like continue to build, you know, uh, to build Launch Boom up to be something um large, but I don't know exactly how big, you know, I, I guess I, when I find myself like really thinking about this, it's not so much like, oh man, launch room needs to be a hundred million dollar company, but it's like, I just want to continue to like grow it every single, I, I really focus on just like quarters. <laughs> I found that like when I shorten my like time horizons, um, it actually like is a much more accurate way for me to, to live because I don't know if it's just me, but like, I feel like things are constantly changing in my world, like new feedback coming in, I'm learning. And then like, I shift like which way I want to go. So just looking at like a quarter time horizon tends to be the most accurate way Mm. in terms of like setting goals and objectives. Mm -hmm. So yeah, every, every quarter it's like, we want to grow like a little, like a little bit more, like we're just constantly growing and making this better. And the way that like, the reason why I like to do that is, I mean, I do have aspirations to like, 
become like wealthy. You know, I do have aspirations to like continue to work with um, like more people, whether that be like employees in our company and like teach them more because like that is fulfilling for me mm. or to work with like cooler companies and entrepreneurs and help them launch more things into the world because again like I like to create and like solve problems mm. and so that fulfills that aspect of it and I also like the more that I've gotten uh like grown in my like entrepreneurial journey and with launch boom like I've just like seen that like launch boom or like just the business world like a, a business in general can be like a huge it, is a vehicle for me to like live whatever life I want to it's not like the other way around like I am not responsible for like, you know, making Launchboom what it is as much so as like Launchboom, like making me who I am, like allowing me to like live this lifestyle that I want. Hmm. So like flipping it and like having a different lens at, on what the business is, yeah. is really helpful yeah, for me. Great. Even like the relationships that I want to have to like, um, like, like the, the, the hobbies that I want to have, like the fun I want to have, like the money I want to make, like it can provide all that, or at least like trying to see how it could provide, mm. provide that. So then what does that look like for you? What is the, what is your ideal life look like that you want launch room or whatever else you're doing to help prop up and, and provide for? Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think I would start, I mean, first like with, relationships are are something that are extremely extremely like important to me mm. um and i found that especially like during like the label creative phase or or like the beginning of launch movement phase i was so focused on like being in the business and like okay i need to put everything i got into this business because i feel some responsibility to do so um which there is i mean there is some response like i have responsibility to people and or mm. i would take that responsibility but um I would sacrifice like the relationships that I would have with friends, family, um, like, you know, girlfriend, um, things like that. So I don't ever want it to be something that's so consuming that it like gets, it like gets in the way of the relationships, but instead it, it allows me to have better relationships hmm. and like how it can do that is by like provide, let's say like, like financial freedom, right? Like financial freedom, like allowing me to not have to worry about that. Okay. So that's taken care of because mm. of the business or like time freedom, like, okay, it's a really well put together system. We have great people in it that aren't like killing themselves. Like it works. I now have freedom of time to go out there and like spend time with like people I care about mm. um, or like meet the person I want or have the space to do that. So I think those are some things that would come up for me first is like, I want to be able to, uh, have a lifestyle where I have financial freedom, freedom of time. I can spend time with people that I really care about and like build, build relationships, go on adventures, like go out there, travel. And I also want to create something that is like constantly challenging me and, and I'm learning from. So if I feel like I'm not learning anything from, from like my business or launch boom, like at that point we would have to make some type of change mm. in it because it does provide an outlet for me to do that. Okay. I go through periods where like, I feel like I'm getting kind of complacent in the business or like, I'm not focusing on a problem that's, that's challenging enough. Mm. Um, and then like, Oh, but, okay. Now I need to go, go do that. Yeah. So, so, so it's relationships, it's adventure, it's uh, continuous growth. Yeah. Those are the things that you're looking for out of life. Yeah. So it's about designing your business in a way that, that it provides that. Yeah. Right? Or it's a huge contributor to okay. that. It allows for that or it creates space for that. I just don't want to create something that's like all consuming, mm. like a business that's all consuming. 
Hmm. And there are entrepreneurs that love that. Um, but for me, like I found that I'm like, feel much more fulfilled when I have space to do other things besides just having the business consume everything. Hmm. Um, yeah. And that's going to be way more sustainable yeah. for you as far as for me personally. Yeah. Yeah. And for most, I think for most, I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people feel like an obligation to have to kill themselves and as being an entrepreneur, there's yeah. definitely that like idea of, um, what they call it, like hustle porn or something like the, the Gary, <laughs> the Gary V. I don't know if you've ever uh, heard, I heard that concept. That. I'm no. pretty sure. Well, he doesn't say that, but okay. other people call it that because he's always killing himself and grinding, which I think he loves it. But there's other people that then feel they have a, uh, an obligation. Like they have to like kill themselves as an entrepreneur. If they're not working 80 hour weeks, they're not doing it right. Right. Well, they don't feel, I mean, a lot of, for a lot of people, it's some type of insecurity that's driving them related to need, the need to achieve. And it's like, 100%. it's an addiction like yeah. anything else. You know? I mean, I would say I was caught up in, in that for like a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like my entire identity was tied to my business, hmm. like the success of the business. Once I like, I mean, really two years ago is when I started diet to realize that. And I started to do a lot more personal development programs Hmm. Um, and also had issues in like my personal relationship. Um, like I was, I was engaged. We ended up like calling off the wedding and all that stuff. And that, like that hmm. opened up, okay, like who, who am I yeah. type of thing from that then realized that like, wow, I'm so wrapped up in like my business. Like my identity is all there. Like who is Mark? If it, if I am not like just launch boom, or if I am not like this guy in this relationship, you know, with hmm. this girl, um, and started to like really unpack what that. Did that all start to shift around the same time? Yeah, it was all, yeah, it was all related wow. because I didn't start like really looking internal until all that happened because like once a big event like that happens, it's like, all right, let's, <laughs> well, for me, at least it, I started to look inward. Yeah. Um, cause now I'm like, what's going on? My whole entire life got shooken up. Yeah. And so I really started to go into a period of reflection um, so what did you find? What what did you see that was driving you prior to that moment? What was driving you to put all of your energy and really tie your identity to your business? Well, I mean, the biggest thing is that I learned that, like, my idea of, like, my self-worth, like, where I, like, got my confidence from and, and, and worthiness from um, was from, like, validation from, from others. Mm. Like, that was, that's the number one thing that mm. I've learned over okay. the past two years. And like how powerful that was, I guess, or how how big of um of an influence that had on me in terms of my own self worth, and so my business, right? People would say, "Wow, Launch Boom seems like it's going really well. Like you're a young guy doing doing great work and building this company. Like that's awesome, you know." And I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Mm -hmm. I mean, and I don't think it's bad it's to like shot in the arm. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, but it was it was to the point where like everything or not everything, but most of my self-worth was tied up in like identity around success in business. Um, like let's the relationship thing as well. I'll bring that up because it's like uh, being with someone um, and feeling like that love from them was also like validation from like an outside party. Yeah. So, and, okay. So that relationship was largely about feeling love from somebody else. I just, I just felt like I learned after that was gone that, like how much of my self-worth came from, from like her, mm. right. Of like knowing that I was loved mm. by someone else. Same thing. It's like the parallel is exactly the same with the business. It's like yeah. 
having the success, like being a successful business person, like propped up my own self-worth. So it's like, let's say like those two things are gone. Mm. Then where does it come from? You know? And so that, that question is like, I mean, has been a catalyst for like diving, I guess, diving deeper into myself and like Mm. really discovering like, where does that come from? And I've just realized like, it's like innately there, like, like being worthy and like not having to have like outside validation, like it's because like innately, like I am like, I'm Mark, like I am already like everything I need to be. And it's like where I'm at right now is okay. Hmm. You know? And I can just continue to get better every single day. Just yeah. compare myself to how I was yesterday. Like I resonate <laughs> yeah. with that like 100%. think uh. about that all the time. That's all I can do. And yeah, all I can try to be is, um, <laughs> what I like to say is be the most Mark. That's, oh, that's great. The yeah. most authentic yeah. you. And that's it. Yeah. That's, I love, yeah, that's great. Because I mean, yeah, that's, that's really powerful because yeah, I went through a similar shift where all, my identity was my name, title, and company that I worked with, yeah. you know, and that, yeah, having the realization that, you know, no, that's not, that's detaching from that is a healthy thing, but a really scary thing at the same time. Because yeah, then, then who the hell am I? Yeah. If I'm not my title and the company that I'm with, who the hell am I? And that gap, for me, it was actually, that gap happened for a while before I fully understood. And I'm still, you know, obviously the journey continues of discovering who you are, right? But that realization of our worth is inherent. We absolutely are worthy now. If we didn't do a single thing, we are a very worthy, you know, being. And that really it comes down to the love that we have for ourselves. 100%. Yeah, I agree with that. And, uh, you know, I heard, heard you say that. I mean, you were looking for outside sources to feel that love for yourself because you really maybe weren't feeling it yourself. No, no you're, you're exactly right. And yeah. then your fian- you break up with your fiancé. That love's gone. Holy crap. If you have a bad day at work, that validation's gone. That's a terrible feeling. And everybody goes through it. Everybody, to some extent, has those experiences. Yeah. And the gift that you had a couple of years ago was an event that allowed you to wake up to it so that you can dig into it. And it was your choice then to dig further into it to understand it, where that's not the easy path. The easy path is to just numb yourself out, maybe start drinking or eating or just going and working your butt off and... Oh, focused I did, I did even that. more into that. I did all that. Okay. All, all the above. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I got I got to like, not like insanely rock bottom places, but I definitely got to like very dark places just based off of not talking about like how I was feeling, like not seeking any type of support mm-hmm. um, and just numbing out and stuff. And so uh, either through work or alcohol, things like that. And then mm-hmm. it got to the place where I'm like, I'm just tired of being, I, I realized that I was being a victim and I liked it. I mean, I, mm. I and that kind of scared me. It was like, oh man, it's bet it's easier just to be someone that is like being the victim in this situation yeah. because it kind of feels good, even though it doesn't. It's like this really weird, conflicting feeling. Interesting, yeah. Um, because it's easier, I think that's why. And I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm just tired of this. I don't know. There wasn't like a specific catalyst, but I do remember sitting on my couch and being like, I, I'm tired of this. Like, I just needed to do something else. Mm. Like. To focus on the simple things. And I, right now I'm, I'm talking mostly about like the relationship stuff, but I think that was a big turning point in my, in my life in terms of uh, really 
trying to discover like who am I like what you were talking about mm. a second a little bit ago so then which, from that point sitting on the couch forward what did you start to do were there certain books you read were there certain you said some personal development stuff in there what what types of things were you doing yeah I mean okay if I boil it down to everything I actually just sent my buddy a list of things that I've been doing to help him through something right now oh perfect um number one would be like taking care of myself so like like am I eating right drinking water sleeping working out I think that would be like the main list okay those taken care of like I'm, i have that th- those are good and let's go to the next thing it's like um now this will go into like i don't know this is in a specific order now to start randomly listing things off sure uh therapy has been extremely important to me i think therapy is great just in general i view it as like a way to like almost have like a i mean just someone to like unload on and and also help you think more accurately so i started going to see a therapist um is, is that therapy what type of therapist is that I don't, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what you would call it. I mean, do you, she's just, do you work with her on what do you, what types of things do you, I mean, really, I mean, is it her? It's a her. her yeah. Okay. Yeah. Her name's Lisa. Like any, really anything that's going on. I mean, so initially business relationships, I can talk about whatever I personal want. stuff. Yeah. I talk a lot about personal. Yeah. You know? I mean, I started seeing her as like a, like a couples therapist and then like okay. continue to see her, but therapy like on a frequent basis for me, it was really powerful. Um, also went through a program called ALA, uh, which was really powerful as well. It's like a personal development um, seminar, which you've gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely helped. Like I'd say it's like a very quick way <laughs> of like diving in deep and, and, and like helping me be more aware of things that I may want to work on or like may not be as accurate thinking like ways that I was being like mm. may not be the way I want to show up. What were you, so what are some of the things you learned through that book about yourself and maybe did you have some breakthroughs as you went through it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of the validation um, topics that we were talking about before definitely came out of that. Came like, out of that. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I, I started to become more aware of that. And I mean, I'm still, I'm still like, I mean, now it's like awareness is like the first step, right? Then it's like figuring out how to, then it's like understanding why you're that way. And then it's like now the mastery of it, like trying to be able to shift out of it. So I'm still working for sure on the, uh, the rest of our lives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, the validation was a big part of it. I, I also, I, I had this whole like, I don't know what, it, I don't know where it came from, to be honest, <laughs> but um, this whole concept of like what it meant to be like a man, um, for me, like, I felt like I wasn't oftentimes, like I wasn't stepping up and being a man. I guess if I would unpack it, it would be like, I didn't feel like I was, I was like insecure often. I wouldn't show up as being like confident. I would like have a lot of qualities of being like a, like a scared boy type mm. thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when someone would like tell me that, like, Hey, like when I've seen you show up as being like a scared little boy, like that would like land like largely for me mm. or did, I remember the first time we went there. Land in a way of, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Or like screw it, you for saying that. No, like thing. it makes sense. It makes <laughs> okay, sense. Okay, you got it. I even remember the week before, I, I didn't even, even going to ALA, I had no I had no freaking clue what I was signed up for, to be honest. I just had a friend that went through it, and he's like, you're going to get a lot out of it. I'm like, all right, I trust you. It's actually mad to sell. You've had, yeah. Yeah. And so even a week before I went to ALA, I remember having thoughts of like, you know what? I just feel like a little kid. Like, all these, like, feelings I'm having, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I still feel like I'm a little boy. Like, I'm, who am I? Right. <laughs> you know? And, like, how do I, like, stop thinking this way? Mm-hmm. You know? And um, That's perfect way to – perfect 
segue into going to doing some deep work on yourself, yeah. having that realization. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. awesome. And so when someone said that, I'm like, whoa. Like, how do you, <laughs> how, do you know? yeah, how do you know? Of course. And the, and rea- I, and, well, the reality is that's the case for every human being, yeah, yeah, right? Which we've talked about. Yeah. yeah. We all have this inner child that comes up in our life. It just, we, it, we show up as our little child often in life, right? Yeah. And some people live in their inner child the majority of their life, like majority of their day and majority of their life. They never really acknowledge it. And they're just running like scared little boys, little girls, for the and the, you know reacting, being angry, having something to prove through business. I mean, even that. Yeah. You know, if somebody is driven to prove others wrong, because you know, often because you know they were trying to prove their worth to their dad or their mom, sure. whatever it is, and that runs their entire life. And that's kind of what we were talking about. Of you know, then you get to a certain point and you say, well, why am I doing this all again? Yeah. You know, and especially if you start to do a little, you start to look at yourself and say, oh, wait a minute, I'm doing this for other people. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah. ridiculous. That is the most ridiculous thing. Yeah. 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 That and realization many and times. it's it's so, I mean, we all do it to some extent, you know, for a period of our life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I still, I still battle with that too. Oh, you yeah. Know, I'm thinking about that. It's like, how many, like, what decisions am I making? Because I think, like, they're for someone else <laughs> or like, or I think about how they're going to perceive me yeah. by doing this. Yeah, which, and you know, to some extent, it's a healthy thing to, sure. for society to yeah, operate yeah. in that way. But there's, you know, it's a pretty fine line and we get to cross it. But a lot of times it's like, because you're right. I mean, n- none of this stuff's absolute. Like there's no like absolutely one way to look at things. Or like it doesn't mean like what we we're saying, like thinking about how someone's going to perceive you is not a wrong thing and it yeah. can be helpful. Right. But it's like being able to identify when it's getting to some place that's like more unhealthy. And it's know? the attachment the attachment of how people perceive you to your feeling of how va- your your own worth and value. Exactly. That's that's the unhealthy part of it. Feedback, you know, understanding how you're you're kind of coming off to others, 100% really important, really great to pay attention to. But if you're taking that feedback and saying, "Oh, because they said that, I am not worthy, and I'm not worthy unless they say and they validate me and what I'm doing. That's the unhealthy part. For sure. And that's, yeah. I mean, and that what you said about not being a man, you know, feeling like you're a man in your little boy really resonates with me too. And and with a lot of people that I work with and have met, that's, that's the thing. And I really feel that it comes down to a really deep sense of self-worth and confidence and knowing that you are an amazing person, you are enough, you are worthy. And if you have that knowing, in, in the moments when you do have that knowing, it, life is just fun, it's easy, it's joyous, and any negative feedback that comes your way, it's information. You get to take it in and say thank you very much, even if somebody's you know, telling you that they think you're a piece of shit. Yeah. You get to say, all right, well, I, I'm not, but there's <laughs> maybe there's some information in there that between all their, you know, whatever their frustration that I can take and use. Yeah, 100%. And that's a beautiful place to, to live from, right? And especially in relationship, right? Because the way you described your previous relationship where you were looking for their love to validate your worth, I've been in that too. And that's a scary thing because then you in a relationship you show up to where you're doing things to feel their love, meaning that you're not going to stand into who you truly are mm-hmm. and be safe and worthy as an independent. You are you have an unhealthy unatta- attachment to this, which means that you're not going to show up as a man in your relationship. You're not going to take the lead 
um, in in a relationship because you're going to be worried about it, it's kind of like you have a question mark at the end of everything you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we're going to go to sushi tonight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, it's versus saying, hey, I'd like I'd really like to get sushi tonight. Yeah. You know, and, and then she's like, all right, cool. That sounds good. Or, you know what? I don't feel like that. OK, well, let's let's come up with a compromise. You know, be being strong in yourself in a relationship. Men aren't just masculine. They're masculine and feminine. And that balance is so incredibly por- important. Right. And again, it's true masculine, true feminine. I call false masculine, false feminine. You know, false feminine is scared little boy. Mm-hmm. False masculine is overly aggressive, trying to prove something, or it's really fear, fear-driven yeah. masculinity. Yeah, I haven't heard someone put it that way, but that makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah you categorize it that way. It's a yeah. fascinating topic and an interesting journey as we go. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So congrats on getting into that deeper inner work. And it sounds like you've come a long way in the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely have. Still have, like we talked about, it's a, it's a lifelong journey of, of going into this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, though, because sometimes I feel like there's also a balance of, um, like, overthinking a lot of this stuff or, like, mm. doing too much, like, work and reflection. Mm. Um, I had a coach uh, for a while. His name's Roddy Carter. He's amazing. And um, he, he works at a Life Wellness Institute down in Liberty Station. And uh, I worked with him for about like seven or eight months. And he told me that, you know, he's like periods of like deep self-reflection are destructive. Like understand that. And I'm like, "Uh, what do you mean? He's like, well, think about it. Like you're like when you're doing like deep work, like diving in really into like, you know, being aware of all these different things about yourself or trying to understand it and like having breakdowns and breakthroughs and all all these things, you know, all the words. You're like literally like changing the way like you think you know i mean it's a it's like a tiring process Mm. you know and it it can be like emotions all over the place volatile um like i mean that's how i experienced it yeah and so it's like a self-destructive uh which has a negative connotation but it's like there are two sides to it you know Mm. like the yin and the yang of it it can be a lot take a lot a lot of toll but then it can help you like be more clear about the path that you need to take Mm -hmm. so his whole point was that you don't want to be in these periods of like deep work for like too long Mm -hmm. because you need to take what you, you know, you've learned and then go out there and like go into the world and like, just like live and like do be in like, and then start to kind of solidify these things that you found out. So I I think about that, you know, it's like going through these periods of like deep work and and like breakdown, breakthrough, Mm -hmm. self-destruction, like unpackaging everything. And then like going out there and like trying it on, you know, and like, and really seeing like what sits, you know, I, yeah, and I, yeah, I agree. Because the deconstructive work, kind of that deep work, the deconstructing your past and understanding why, if you stick just in that why, 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 it's you can also fall into the victim mentality. Sure. Um, oh, okay, and now I understand why I do this, this, and that, and it's just linked to this. So I guess the, it, you can get into that, and you get into just kind of a downward spiral. So it, it's a good to have a good balance, right, of also creating your future. Mm-hmm. Let's focus, okay, that's great. And now let's be present, but let's also focus on what you want to create going forward and that good balance of that. I I like, I like think of it as like kind of a balance of like doing work, workshops where, because essentially you can do some deep work on your own, but without a coach or some, some type of group to help you get there, it's hard, right? It can be different, yeah. So a mix of that, and then I really like Abraham Hicks. I don't know if you no, I don't know follow them at all. but So they're all about creating 
creating the future. Um, it's all about um, putting essentially what they call into the vortex what you want more of. You know, do you want more happiness, joy, whatever that is? And that's, for me, that's my kind of balance go-to is I feel like I'm doing a little bit too more this, too much of this deconstruct. I need to find a mode to focus more on being present, Eckhart Tolle, you know, all those types of uh, thought leaders in that space. And then, uh, yeah, and just in looking forward and what I want to create more of in my life. Yeah, that makes balance. sense. And trying it on. Yeah, trying on. And getting exactly. the feedback. Exactly. That's a very important part. Yeah. It's almost like the like the personal development junkies. Like get like sucked into these yeah. these these things and they don't end up doing anything. Right. Right. <laughs> I remember there was someone that I met at ALA that told me that like the first first time I was there, like make sure you don't get sucked into this stuff. Mm. So much so that you're like not actually going out there and doing yeah. doing anything. Yeah. Yeah, so that's an important piece of it. That is an important piece, yeah. So then what, what impacts in the last couple of years related to that, this discovery of yourself and your self-worth, what, how has that impacted you and your business? <sighs> Me and my business. Um, I mean, the, the first thing is just like how I show up, mm. you know, every single day. Like it's, it's like I do feel like with the realizations I've had that I've come like shown up as like a better version of myself, which makes me like a better leader, better decision maker, mm. better coach, you know, for our team. Um, like I'm confident in like the changes that have been made in me, like, or like the realizations I've had about myself mm. have like positively impacted a lot of people on our team and our business and our clients and everything. Mm. It's just like how I'm showing up every day. Mm. That's the, that's the biggest thing. How would you it. describe the culture with your team? I mean, the biggest thing, so we're a remote team. Okay. So we have, like, we do have a culture. So our values, so we have, um, like, family is number one. Hmm. So it's, like, it's unconditional love, but, like, we're able to give, like, tough love to our, our team members and our clients. Hmm. Um, Meaning that's the whole, your family is everybody you're working with. Yeah, like, everyone. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it extends out to, like, just, like, the world the in world. general. Awesome. Like, as much as possible. It's, like, yeah. trying to view people as, like, from a like from a, a perspective of love, like lens of love, hmm. like is the way that I feel like we should be looking at things. Hmm. Um, two is uh, like curiosity, like stay curious. Uh, three is like stay hungry. Uh, four is love the journey. And five is like own it. So like, hmm. like taking responsibility for yourself, hmm. for, for your, for your position. I mean, even just talking about that last value as a remote team, like we're all over the world, literally all over the world. Um, like people, we need to have people that take responsibility for themselves, for their work and are able to be trusted to just go out there and do it. Mm. So we have a whole group of people that we have 22 people on our team that are, that like live those values mm. and we hire based off of those at the beginning. Mm. Um, we mm. take on a lot of people that don't have that much experience in what we're hiring them for. It's like, do we feel like they have these values um, and then a lot of times the icing on the cake is that they have a lot of experience in that role. Mm. Um, cause if they have all those values, they're going to, they're going to excel. I mean, it's, it's been shown like time and time again for the people that we bring in. Mm. That's great. Awesome. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, and I know cause your partner, Tom is who I met, who then yeah. put me in touch with you and you know, he shared essentially, I think his words were Mark is the best human I've ever met. Is, is how he said it. I said, "Wow, okay, that's great," and I and I get it. I get it. Tom, right? Sounds yeah. like you guys have a great uh, a great partnership and a great yeah. friendship and relationship. 
Oh, that's really cool. He said that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I've, so I've really appreciated getting to know you. Yeah, and, likewise. And I thank you for being here. Of course, it's been an awesome conversation. I agree. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you very much. Yeah, appreciate it as well. <laughs>